It is Thursday, November 10th, 2016 at one o'clock Eastern time. And this is Marketing Live. I am your host, Amy Jorgensen. On today's live broadcast, we're talking about events in stereo, how to make your campus events and campaigns succeed. Marketing Live is part of a higher ed live network offering viewers direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. Live broadcasts allow viewers to share knowledge and participate in discussions around the most important issues in the industry. Today's live viewing experience is powered by Maestro, a premier marketing tech platform for broadcasters. All episodes of Marketing Live are free and accessible in the video archives at higheredlive.com and in podcast format on iTunes. Higher Live is produced by M. Stoner, a marketing communications firm that works with education industries on branding, strategy, web design, and more. I'd like to welcome our two guests today. We have Tiffany Broadbent Becker. Welcome. Thank you. And we also have Sarah Giuliano. Welcome. Hi. All right, great. So those who are watching along, you can ask any questions using hashtag HigherEdLive on Twitter, and I'll do my best to ask Tiffany and Sarah as they come in. All right, so let's dive in. Where do you start when you have an event coming up and you know you want to utilize social media? Yeah, so I think the best place to start um, when you have an event coming up or almost anything that you want to use social media for is to kind of set expectations right at the beginning. Um, and it's usually done best by asking the question why, kind of figuring out why you want to use social media, why someone in your office thinks social media is the best thing to use, and kind of like what, why, why it's going to work with what your event is. So if you're doing like a really tiny little event that might just have like a dean and a handful of students, you're not really going to want them on the, your phone the whole time. But if you're having a large off-campus event, like for my office, it would be like homecoming or something, you're going to want people to be sharing the photos that they're already taking. Um, and I think there's a few other questions too that kind of once you figure out that why you need to start thinking of as well. So I think usually figuring out how, you know, once you decide you want to do social media, there's a ton of questions that come with that. Are you going to want to, someone that's on campus and working with all these different people and trying to figure out where they're going to be doing social media and how they're taking photos and, you know, how they're working? Um, and also figuring out kind of what your analytics are too. Like if you're doing this and you're spending the time and the money and the staff effort to do it, you need to figure out kind of how you're going to know what you do as a success and how you can continue to do it well in your um, continuing events. And I also think figuring out who too, like I said, if we're talking about kind of all these things that you're doing and how you're coming up with the social media plan and how you're executing it and utilizing it, figuring out who's going to be a part of that, how they're going to help, if you're having staff members tweeting things, if you're having other people saying things on Facebook um, and things like that. Very cool. So get all the logistics down and, yes. and make sure you said, I like what you said about getting the analytics ahead of time of like what you would be using as a measurement of success afterwards. So what are some of the different things that you use as measurements of success? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think for me, I usually try to figure out engagement. I think if anyone's on social media, I think that should be kind of your number one thing if you're trying to figure out engagement. I mean, you could be putting social media out there. Um, but if no one's looking at it or responding with it or talking to it, then what's the point? <laughs> That's usually my main one. I don't know if you. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's really engagement to figure out are, you know, are people commenting? Are they talking about it? And yeah. more, even more importantly, are they sharing it? Are they, are they being an advocate and sort of a messenger for your events? Because people are going to believe word of mouth from their friends way more than some big entity saying, you should attend this event. Yeah. So trying to get that word of mouth, I think, is the most important very cool so how do you assess what social media platforms you're going to be using I think a lot of it is looking at who your primary audience is going to be and then 
either based on just sort of the general demographics of, you know, Facebook is kind of everybody, Twitter is a bit of a younger demographic, Instagram is a lot of folks that are on, you know, prospective and current students and young alums, and then Snapchat would be pretty much straight prospective and current students, and just figuring out who is your primary audience and really trying to at least know that you want to focus there, but you know, spreading it around to all of them doesn't hurt. You know, people hearing about something they're not interested in is not necessarily bad, but definitely making sure that if we want to, if we know we want to talk to current students and we have a Snapchat account, then we should be posting the event on Snapchat, for example. Yeah, and then just like you said before, if you don't have a good plan of how you're going to execute it, you probably shouldn't be doing, you know, putting your hands in a million different pots. You got to, you know, focus on a couple. Right. So that's very smart. So how do you collaborate with other offices to help promote events or student groups? So we have a group of uh, like eight folks or so. Um, I'm in the university communications office and Sarah is in the advancement communications office. So already we're sort of collaborating, cross collaborating <laughs> because we have a group that's a handful of folks from my office, Sarah, and then we have um, some folks from news and media and things like that. And so we try and meet periodically to talk about what new social media things are going on and to let folks know we have homecoming coming up, here's the social media plan and things like that. And then if there is something really big coming up, we've done like for, so William Mary's basketball team, the men's basketball team has almost gotten into the NCAA tournament three years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> so close. So close. <laughs> like they have a really good team and if we could just win our conference tournament then we would get in and we've like gotten to the final game and lost a lot. So <laughs> but in anticipation of that like we have a march on tribe hashtag and so back in like January we've gotten folks together and so this is athletics, this is the student kind of booster group. It's the auxiliary services that runs the bookstore, it's advancement, it's alumni, it's my university communications office and the news office, and just sort of getting everybody together in a room just to kind of hash out what's going on, what's the plan, who's doing what, um, and then sort of keeping email threads going the entire time. Um, for, so that's for a specific event. Um, we also have the social media users group, so SMUG on campus. <laughs> I mean, mug that has smug like written on the side, so it's a smug mug. One day I'm gonna like, go to a paint your own pottery class or something like that and add it. But um, so that's made up of pretty much anybody that does social media on campus at all. Um, anybody's welcome to join. There's no like official thing that you have to be in charge of a of a channel or anything like that. But we have a Facebook group for that and a mailing list, and we'll meet together a couple of times a year to just kind of go over either new stuff that's come along or to watch a webinar or something like that. So that just knowing the people that are in charge of all those things really does help facilitate that kind of cross cross silo communication, breaking down those silos that we always talk about. Very cool. That's a good idea. I love the smug. That's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> we came up with this, like, can we really call it that? <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, all right, so you talked a little bit about a hashtag. So what are some things to keep in mind when you're creating a hashtag for an event? Because sometimes it works well, and then we've also seen like with McDonald's, sometimes it doesn't work so well. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that we try and do is to kind of research and pre-search the hashtag. So see if something has already been formed around your hashtag, and if it's, you know, 
makes sense for you to use it and isn't completely obscure, then you can just kind of easily adopt that. But if you do come up with one, to make sure that you search it so that there's not other stuff on it that you weren't expecting. So for the William & Mary Homecoming, for the first couple of years, we had WMHC, which we were like, oh, it's so short, and <laughs> but no one, like, it's not particularly clear. But we found out that that was also being used by the Western Massachusetts Hardcore Music like fan group or something. So, <laughs> You know, it's like these concerts, I'm sure they're awesome, but they were not things that we were offering at Homecoming. So we wanted to kind of avoid that confusion. So you had a whole new target market. You could have gone towards all these people in Western Massachusetts that we know want to come to William and Mary's Homecoming in Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, so definitely checking that, making sure, because if you're like, you can't really be fighting over a hashtag because really just nobody wins. Yeah. <laughs> um, then making sure that. You know, so you're specific enough. So we changed it to WM Homecoming. We added a couple of characters, but got a lot of clarity out of that. Um, and then making sure that the hashtag is readable. So for if you're putting together a whole lot of word, like a couple of words, you don't want to do like an entire sentence because that's just a lot. But then capitalizing the first letter of each word just to sort of give people an indication that what the words are supposed to be. So it's not like a license plate where people can just read whatever they want. And because like there, there was a WM tribe snow hashtag because we were like we were all excited that it was snowing at William and Mary and so someone came up with it and just started putting it out there but then if you read it, it's like WM tribes now or something oh. so you can like you have to sort of give people an indication of, of what it is um, because they can get read in any in any way and if it does end up saying like spelling something bad or unintentioned then maybe changing the hashtag up from that um, and then just like testing it with folks around your office and asking them, does this make sense? Would this be what you would expect to use yeah. for homecoming or for, you know, for our charter day or for yeah. graduation? Or is it memorable if you're seeing it on a sign somewhere? Are you going to be able to remember when you are tweeting halfway down the block that that was the hashtag that you're supposed to use? There's yeah. not some crazy acronym that no one's going to remember. <laughs> yeah. So have you guys ever used like the hashtags that, you know, hashtag blessed or, you know, hashtag whatever, just to like some of the common ones just to draw like awareness and perhaps enthusiasm for it? I, um, yeah, actually. So um, as, as probably most anyone who works in kind of a nonprofit area knows, Giving Tuesday um, is coming up just in a few weeks right after Thanksgiving. Um, and we're we're actually going to be using Giving Tuesday in conjunction with one of our um, one of our alumni based hashtags, so that um, we get kind of all the conversation that we're having out into that public sphere as everyone else is talking about it that day. But we're also going to be adding on our second hashtag, so that we're able to curate it and we're able to find it and interact with those people. So um, yeah, so we have used it and we have um, put them together. I will say I generally try to avoid doing that because that is a lot of characters, especially in Twitter. Um, but it is good when you do want to curate around that larger national scale and that larger national conversation. Very cool. That's a good idea. All right. So what tools or techniques do you use to get the message out on social media for an event? <laughs> yeah, we have a lot. <laughs> um, so one of the ones that we use for homecoming and for our, like university birthday, pretty much any time where we're going into our big basketball stadium and we have the big screen set up and the state and the stage and all that kind of stuff is we'll uh, use a tool. Called, it's called events tag, um, but there are a lot of other ones out there. But essentially, it's social media aggregator that you can then project onto a screen. And so. With events tag, it pulls photos from Instagram and Twitter with any 
given hashtag or a couple of hashtags, I think. Um, and we moderate them mostly just to more eliminate duplicates than it is like, oh no, someone's going to post something horrible. But people will often post the same photo on Twitter and Instagram, and we don't want to have so, so many duplicates that you're seeing the same photo over and over. Um, but it's been a really good way, one, to get folks to post on the hashtag because they want to get their 15 minutes or you know 15 seconds of fame <laughs> as they're going through. Um, but also, it gives people that are in the arena something to look at while they're waiting. So for graduation, all the parents get there three hours ahead of time as soon as doors open to get their good seats. And then they kind of miss their student who, for William & Mary, we have this tradition where they walk from our oldest building on campus, which is on one corner, all the way to the William & Mary Hall where we have the ceremony. And so students are taking photos the whole time of being in front of their favorite class building or with each other as they're walking across one of our bridges and things like that. So the parents and families that are there don't miss out on all of that that's going on. They can see that sort of pretty much live as the slideshow is going around. So it's a great way for them to sort of get this behind the scenes look at what their students are doing. We even had people in the arena would post a photo, see that they had the photo come up, pull a selfie of doing of, of them in front of their photo and then post that back to the hashtag. And I, I like saw the people doing it. I'm like, I'm just waiting for this post to come through and I approve it. And then you like hear this exclamation from far some back corner of the arena that, so it's just kind of fun to, you do get to engage people a little bit, even if it is just on a really giant screen. But um, that's one of my favorite tools for these big events. And it's a great way to generate a lot of awesome photos that you can get that, you know, students are in their caps and gowns and with all their friends or with the Charter Day thing. It's we want people to wish William and Mary a happy birthday. And so some offices will create their own graphics or take a staff photo or something like that. So it's also a way for those offices to kind of get their name out there to all the students and whoever else is in the arena that, oh, hey, we're on Instagram or, oh, hey, we're on Twitter. Yeah, and kind of in that vein, um, something else that both of us use, but we kind of rely on a little bit, is a tool called Packboard. And it kind of does the same thing where it curates all of these um, all of these posts around a certain hashtag or a few certain hashtags onto one online pegboard. Um, and it, that's really great because we usually like to embed it and place it on websites. So um, kind of on the alumni side of things, we generally do a giving day every year where obviously we ask alumni to come back and to give. And what we do for that is we'll take that tag board and we'll put it right on, it used to be in the bottom of the website, but now we've actually exported it to a whole social media page where people can sit there and follow along and retweet and kind of see what's happening. And it's a really great way to help people show that even though you're participating in a day, there's still something else you could be doing by talking and using a hashtag and working with other people. Um, and it also just builds excitement. Like we have people who get on that tag board during our giving day and they just follow along with progress all day and they're like, yeah, yeah, we're almost there, almost there. And it's really great to kind of have like this one central area where everyone's getting excited and celebrating and it just helps build that momentum. So do you have to pay for the events tag or the tag board? Yeah, so the events tag, when it was like three years ago, you sort of you bought a chunk of time that you could broadcast the thing, and so. But we've been working through that giant chunk of time for a while now. Yeah. Um, I think it was just a couple hundred dollars when we did it. So, and it's being used for, like I said, our our birthday event, graduation, for move-in day. So we try and use it in a lot of different places. And you're only ever really broadcasting for maybe a few hours at a time. And I think we bought like a twenty-hour block or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then the tag board. Um, I think, or we, 
I think we'll have to be paying for it soon. But there are lots of other tools out there that do very similar things um, that are free. So it, you don't have to yeah. have the budget because we don't have very much budget at all. And this is like very strategic, like we can get the most bang out of our buck with this events tag thing because it's something that's, you know, very large and very visible. Um, but you do the social media event guide stuff that obviously doesn't cost much at all. Yeah, so like I said, for our giving day every year, part of kind of the precursor to us putting all those events into one place is we um, come up with a social media guide every year where we um, we essentially just make this one to two page PDF where we kind of explain to everyone what our giving day is, kind of what our goal is, what we're trying to do. Um, and then we give them like a quick checklist, like make sure to give your gift, share on social media, do all these things. And then right after that, we usually have like a full page or two of um, kind of anything and everything you could say around the giving day. Just things that are celebrating the giving day, helping to inform the giving day, telling people to give a certain post. And these are all pre-written posts um, with also pre-made graphics, if you want to use one, um, that, are, that, are, that have specific character accounts for Facebook, for Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Um, and we found that this is really good because uh, we always get people coming to us every year and they're always saying, you know, I, I had three, I had just enough time to make a gift, but I really wanted to help a little more. This was great. I copied, I pasted, I hit the button, and I moved on with my life. And it, it kind of took the thinking out for people. But then for the people who had a little more time, it also kind of gave them a good base. Like it let them jump off. Like different departments were able to kind of take like what we were asking in terms of money and they were able to think of it. And then maybe use a graphic or maybe update their cover photo. So it, it, it kind of puts all your resources in one place in terms of pushing all those things out, but it also kind of lets you pick and choose and you're allowed to, you can be heavily involved you can be using those posts throughout the day or you can just get that like I said that one quick post out in the morning and people get really excited about it especially in my office but also kind of we also push this out like through our boards and through students and all throughout we use smug to push it all throughout departments and it's kind of like when we're getting up to get uh, to our giving day people get really excited they're like yes yes I feel like I can really participate I know what I'm doing on this day now so it's actually we found a great tool and we started slowly adapting it to a few other events which is really great that's really really smart I like that idea so is it just a PDF that you email out to folks internally to share or is it stuff that you email out to no, I mean we put it every every everywhere I mean like I said we put it on smug we emailed out to boards to campus to different groups we even put it on our website I mean it's not super in your face when you go to our social media page but there is a little link if someone is kind of looking and trying to find a way to participate it's on there I mean almost anyone who can participate in one tribe one day in any capacity has access to it which is like I said it just takes that work out of it and it's really it's fun <laughs> that's awesome very cool so um, so with some of our techniques or, or tools uh, I, I, you guys talked a little bit earlier about Storify. Mm -hmm. Could you tell me about uh, how you view Storify and all that kind of good stuff? It's it's kind of my favorite tool. I don't, I'm just like social media geek for that. But pretty much any time that we have any of these events, we want to make sure, one, that we're saving everything just sort of for archival kind of purposes. But it also, when you're, so if you've been on Storify, the way that it's set up is there's sort of your blank page on one side and then there's, the other side where you can search pretty much any social media channel based on user or by hashtag. Um, and then you can just, you just drag and drop your posts and you build your story um, from all those posts. But it's a really great way to kind of review what's going on on your hashtag to like kind of use it as customer feedback and sort of see if there's things that you can do to improve your event the next year. 
And once you've gotten all that together, I think the limit's like a thousand posts, and we've hit that a couple of times, which is exciting for one hashtag. Yeah. But then you can like make a highlights post that, which is then tied with your news story about you know recapping the event, or that can be what you send out to the higher ups to sort of tell you know someone's like, well, what's this social media stuff? Why is this important? You can sort of say here are these like great highlights of these wonderful photos or good feedback bits of comments and things like that that people can see. Um, I was going to say something else. Oh, you can, and the nice thing about Storify is that you can export really easily. So you can export it to a PDF and then send that if people don't want to deal with a website, or you can download it as either a CSV or a JSON file. So you can, if you have sort of a programmer at your disposal that can parse some stuff, um, it'll tell you you had, you know, this many posts that had, and there were this many that had photos or videos, and it gives you a list of everybody that used the hashtag. So if you want to follow up with people or if you want to put them in a list on Twitter or something like that to sort of use them as a focus group or something, you can do that. So in addition to just sort of chronicling stuff, it's a really great way to aggregate everything into one spot. So if you're doing a, a fundraising promotion or an event that's going over an entire semester or something like that, you're trying to get awareness and people excited about, would you use Storify to kind of continue that excitement or to kind of track it? Yeah, Storify over Tagboard or one of the other things, just because the the live updating ones tend to run into the Twitter search limit kind of stuff. So yeah. this way, you know you will always have that post in your Storify. And so you can just take, you know, if it's a semester-long event, take 20 minutes twice a week to just go in and pull all of the relevant stuff that's on the hashtag. And then you can just save it in there. And you can go back in and edit as many times as you want and things like that. So it's a good way, and that's something that you can then link to from wherever on your website or something like that, and you know exactly what's on it. You don't have to worry about moderating it because you're generating it. Um, so I think it's a little easier. Very cool. So what about um, Snapchat filters? Because Snapchat is one of the biggest tools in which you know students are, are using to, and prospective students are using to be able to communicate with one another. So have you used Snapchat filters? How are you paying for those? Do you pay for those? Like, Give us the skinny. Um, so actually, funny enough, you say they're students, but I feel like we started slowly using them a little more on the alumni side of things, um, mainly for young alumni uh, events. Um, so a good example is we just had homecoming here, William and Mary, a few weeks ago. Um, and so we created a filter that we put kind of in the main area on campus, and we put it in a few different areas, like where the, like where events were happening, smaller events, and we put it like where the unparade route at one point, and we put it... Um, where like a night party was happening, things like that. So people were able to use it. Um, and kind of as a side note for that, we also created some lawn signs that said, you know, you're, you're entering a Snapchat geofilter, like special geofilter zone. Um, make sure to use it and then tweet or send out your photo using this hashtag. And we put those all throughout, like when you were entering, we have a, we have a main central area on campus called the Sun Garden. As you were entering it, you saw the signs, you're entering tents, you saw the signs. So people knew that they were using Snapchat because I think we found that people will see it as they're flipping through, but they don't know if it's actually official or anything. So people understood that it was there and that they um, were able to use it. Um, and then you guys use it a few times for... Yeah, we used it for commencement this year. It was the very first time we'd ever been ventured into the Snapchat filter land of things. And at that point, you were able to include a hashtag yeah. on the filter, yeah, and now you're not, <laughs> which we learned when we tried to submit something for uh, move-in day. We, like, we had, I asked our graphic designer to create one that had the hashtag and one that didn't, and submitted the hashtag one first, got immediately rejected, 
submitted it the second time without the hashtag and was immediately approved, it's like, okay, fine. We <laughs> came up with those signs so that if people did want to, um, kind of going back to what we are talking about, hashtag each other, if people did want to push it out there on their main social media channels, they knew how to get it aggregated as part of our conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's like with a hashtag, it's trying to put it everywhere and not just thinking about digital spaces. Like, yeah. don't just mention, hey, use this hashtag, but it's like, you have printed signs, you have invitations, you mm -hmm. have posters, programs, yeah. programs, those signs, like anywhere that you're going to mention your event, just include that hashtag too, because one, it's not going to be that many characters and it never hurts to just let people know a little bit more information. And a lot of people now are looking for hashtags, like every TV show has one in the bottom right corner. Yeah. So they're kind of expecting that that's going to be there. And so if they don't see one, they'll make one up and it might not be the one that you came up with. So you could be losing out on sort of seeing what folks are talking about and engaging with them um, if you're not publicizing it enough. <laughs> that's a really good call. So how are you, like, so when you come up with, you know, your, your strategy and, and all that kind of good stuff, how are you collaborating with other offices and departments so that they can feel like they are involved? So if you're doing a commencement or, or homecoming event, how are you, like, how was it the smug group? Um, how, how, like, how do they make it feel like it's theirs too so they can advocate for it? So the same kind of thing that Sarah mentioned with the big social media guide, we'll even do just sort of small email versions of that for events. And just encourage, like if it's appropriate for your audience, you know, we encourage you to share this. Um, but pretty much at any time, if anybody on in the Smug group has an event that they want publicized, they can send that in and be like, hey, we need some help with this. Um, but it's a lot of it's realizing, okay, the biology department isn't really going to need to send something out about the like men's basketball team or something yeah. like that. And sort of yeah. realizing that as much as you want everybody in every single office to always promote all of your things that you have to be mindful of the audiences and the channels and stuff like that. But for things like a giving day, that can absolutely be everybody all the time because everybody needs money. <laughs> but um, I think just having those communication channels open and just having them available is the best way to just have that cross collaboration because I'm not a, I don't think, oh gosh, who am I supposed to talk to in the School of Education? We want them to post this thing. And be like, no, I'm going to go talk to Julie because she's the one that's in charge of this. Um, so it's just having those common conversations and those common, you know, denominators of, oh, everybody's in the smug group yeah. and we've had a happy hour together. We've gone and grabbed coffee. And I think those interpersonal communications are probably more important even than just sort of having the group in general. <laughs> Very cool. So how do you strike the balance between, you've talked a lot about fundraising. So how do you strike the balance between engagement and fundraising? Because you don't want to just always be asking for money. Yeah, I think that's the big question, right? Um, so yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's a big question. So I think the, the first thing is kind of what we've been talking about in terms of both making sure that you, you have communication open. So if you're not the one who's doing the fundraising, you know, if Tiffany, if I'm doing the fundraising, I'm going to Tiffany to talk to her about like, you know, why sharing about the giving day is great. Um, just making sure that communication is open and that she understands how she can participate and what she can do and all those kind of things. Um, but I also think making sure that, um, making sure that you're asking that question why, those setting expectations. I feel like a lot of times I have people come in in my office, oh, let's do this great thing and let's ask for money and it, but it only really matters to like the biology students. Well, that's not something we're really going to want to be sharing on kind of our all alumni Facebook page. So it's asking the question why, um, 
and always trying to kind of figure out what the best way to do it is. You don't necessarily have to say no to that request about the biology, but maybe putting it into a bigger thing that you're doing. Um, but I think that also comes to the next point, which is not really, I've always found, and I've read a lot of different articles, that not doing a direct ask on social media is always the way to go. Um, people aren't on social media to be asked to give. I mean, people are on social media because they're, they, they're there, they want to see the fun photos of like the pets and the beauty campus, and they're not really there for the asking to give. So I've always found that it's a lot more effective if you find a way to get people to a website where there could be that give, but it's not in their face, it's not what they, you know, what they need right now. Um, so a really good example of that is we actually had kind of like a month-long giving campaign for our fiscal year end just a few months ago. And we, we, we found different questions to ask people that they would relate to no matter what. So like a good question we ask is like, what was, what was the song you listened to the day that you moved in? And we kind of, on this, on, we pushed them out to another web page. And this page had all these different songs based on what year you were in. So if you were in like 2005, it could have been like a Beyonce song. But if you were in like, I don't know, if, you're, if, you're, if you just graduated a few years ago, it could have been like a recent top 40 hit. And so it made people really have that heartstring and kind of what they're on social media to engage with. But at the bottom of that um, webpage, that's where we have the ask. We explain why we had asked this question and how we want to continue to have students who who have these memories and we want to, you know, obviously give a scholarship about kind of things. So it wasn't a hard ask. It was something that they already enjoyed and that they were able to engage with. But then it kind of at the end, if they wanted to give and they felt compelled to give, it had that quick ask, that quick grab. Um, so just not making it explicit, just finding other really interesting ways to get people to feel involved on social media. I love it. And by the way, Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you remember them, but <laughs> you said that. I was like, oh my God, what was it when I was, I was like, it was Jimmy Eat World and it was the middle or whatever. <laughs> we had so many like really visceral reactions because I feel like a lot of people, at least for a question like that, a lot of people hadn't thought about that for a really long time. So that's actually a good point, like thinking of things that like have to do with college, but maybe you haven't remembered like what your favorite like sandwich was in like the cafeteria in like 10 years. Like you're totally going to have that memory and you're going to want to think about it. So. And it wasn't in the email. It was like, now, did you love this song or did you hate this song? So yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you hated the song, then we, 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 we came out to another page where you were like, yeah, we hate that song too, but at least it's not like that Justin Timberlake song that's really popular right now want to keep getting, you know, want to keep having students who, who hate that song too, things like that. So, I mean, there's ways to make people really feel involved with it without, I mean, it, it didn't take us long. It was a quick project and it was really fun, I think, for everyone. And I love that. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. So as we're tying up, do you have any last tips for folks when it comes to event marketing and, and really things that we need to keep in the back of our mind to make sure that our events are successful and that we're really cultivating those brand advocates that you've talked about? Recapping. Oh, that's hard. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it is, we've mentioned it multiple times, just especially for campus-wide events, is having that open communication, either establishing a mailing list of folks that you know you always email when something big happens that you need help with, and making sure, like Sarah's just literally directly above me on the, floor, on the next floor <laughs> up, right and we're going back and forth, up and down the stairs, you know, multiple times a week, just you know, I have this question, do you think this resonates well? And just yeah. sort of getting that feedback from people and not just working in a vacuum of, you know, here's just hoping that this works and shoving it out there, but really yeah. getting people to talk, trying to tie it, like Sarah said, to those kind of visceral feelings and those emotional 
tidbits, whether that's saying, do you remember your homecoming? Well, we have another one coming up and you should come. <laughs> you should or, yeah. you know, graduation is always an emotional time and things like that. So trying to, trying to get those in the more, the things that people want to engage with, the things that people want to share. So when that goes up on social media, make sure you include the hashtag on it, but also have it be something that you're not just being like, well, I wouldn't want to share this, so why am I going to ask anybody else to? And so making sure that you ask that question, is it shareable? Is it worth sharing? Mm -hmm. um, I think is really important. I don't know. Yeah. I think for me, my number one thing is always making sure you're kind of asking the question why. And that's not even like in a mean way. Just like, like I said at the beginning, just always making sure you're kind of understanding what you're doing and kind of what your plan is and just never flying by the seat of your pants because that's always kind of – I found that when we've done events where we've kind of just been like, oh, let's do social media for this, it never, ever does well. And just making sure that you're being as thoughtful as you can, reaching out to other people, you know, pre-planning things, creating graphics as you need them, and just knowing what you need to do. And I bet that's just like, that's like social media in general, like always knowing what you need to do. But that's always what I feel is most important. I love that. Well, I want to thank you both so much for joining us today. I've learned so much, and I'm sure our users have too. Um, and if anyone else has any additional questions, I've been tweeting stuff online, so you're welcome to reach out to the fine young women who uh, have been giving us all their guidance. And I'd like to thank you always to our sponsor, M. Stoner, and thank you for joining us today. Make sure to check out more shows from Higher Ed Pros on higheredlive.com, and we will see you next time.